0: Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911.
1: Welcome to Jesus 911. My name is Jess Romero. Here with my partner Eddie Chavez. Two man car. Uh hope you're having a happy, holy Advent <clears throat> as we uh, anticipate the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, remember, Advent moves right into the Christmas season. Right now, the colors are the liturgical colors of purple. It's a symbol of penance, mortification, and a sorrow and contrite heart. During the Christmas season, we're going to move into the liturgical colors. They're going to change from white to, uh, to white or gold. Which is a symbol of joy, purity, and innocence. Hey, we got a lot to talk about today. This is our Monday Liber Cristo method uh, classroom time. But uh, before we get into that, I just want to mention that Eddie. I don't know what you think about this. We got some law enforcement stuff I want to talk about. the The J six protesters. I don't know. It seems to me. That if they would have just gone into the White House, and I don't know, instead of marching in there with American flags, and instead of, if they would have just sodomized themselves, that probably would have been perfectly acceptable. They wouldn't have gotten in trouble. But because they held American flags, they're getting one, two, three years in prison. But I guess it's okay, uh, you know, to go into the White House and sodomize uh, another guy. And there's no crime. No, there'll, there'll be no charges. And nobody's going to be uh, uh, thrown in, in in a prison for the next couple of years for that. Any comments, Eddie?
2: Yeah, Jess, you know, what, what else is permissible in the White House is to take some cocaine, leave it there, and not <laughs> nobody has to investigate it. Or there's no problem at all with uh, uh, you know possessing a controlled substance in the White House.
1: Yeah, yeah, there are just certain things that are no, no longer crimes in the White House. Uh, <laughs> speaking of crimes, I want to get to something that is affecting a lot of people. There's an article that says, I can't make this stuff up. Retailer won't let cops arrest shoplifters. Uh, This is from World Net Daily. We don't tell big retail how to do their jobs. They shouldn't tell us how to do ours. Target, a retailer that long has been socially progressive to the point of promoting controversial alternative lifestyle choices, has been in the headlines in recent months for those actions. It happened because of its extreme agenda, To promote the transgender ideology with its displays of clothing designed for the transgender lifestyle choice. The moves resulted in negative feedback from a large proportion of America. Then as NPR reported, it backed down, generating negative feedback, this time of the extremists in the LGBT community. That was because it had moved some merchandise celebrating Pride Month from, from store shelves. And the report explained target officials claimed... Their promotion of the ideology was generating threats against its workers. One of the focal points of the fight, the report says, was a series of products from a company that offered gothic imagery like skulls and Satan and more. Also cited as disturbing was its promotion of tuck-friendly women's swimsuits intended to be worn by a man. Now, there's a new report out that Target has gone extreme on another social agenda, The leftist agenda that includes essentially ignoring crimes like shoplifting. Multiple George Soros-backed prosecutors have adopted that plan in recent months to the point uh, that some have even declared they'll not prosecute such thefts thefts under, say, about $900. It is the Epoch Times that is reporting Sheriff Jim Cooper, serving residents of the far-left Sacramento County, accused Target of preventing deputies from apprehending shoplifters. That's despite the company's request for help in curbing an explosion in the number of retail crime cases. I can't make this stuff up. Recently, we tried to help Target. Our property crimes detectives and sergeant were contacted numerous times by Target to help them with shoplifter shoplifters, mostly who were known transients. We coordinated with them and set up an operation with detectives. And, Jim Cooper, the sheriff, says... Uh, he says, um, at the briefing, we were told by, by their head of regional security that we could not contact suspects inside the store. We could not handcuff suspects in the store. And if we arrested somebody, they wanted us to process them outside behind the store in the rain. We were told they didn't want to create a scene uh, inside the store and have people film it and put it on social media. They didn't want negative press. Eddie, what do you think about all this stuff?
2: Yes, people have to understand initially when when, the, when law enforcement handles somebody that that uh, is shoplifting, they'll they'll secure them, they'll handcuff them in the store where, where the crime occurred. But Target is asking us to do stuff that's way out of out of the ordinary for for us personally. So now we have to walk the suspects out. We have to uh, process them outside. We have to, you know, it could be an in inclement weather. And now we're told that they uh, they didn't want to create a scene. So the real reason comes out, Jess, they don't want the negative press, the negative attention. And you know what, Jess? Uh, these detectives, these officers that work this uh, this particular detail, they're, they're correct in being upset that Target's playing both sides of the fence here. You know, Target's telling them, oh, we need help, you know, but they're ignoring all the shopping that happens. Even up to the point of a nine hundred dollars just nine hundred dollars. I mean, I think when the highest it got when I was working was I think four hundred dollars or something like that. But nine hundred dollars, you could pretty much take a big, uh, a big item that's worth a lot of money, and they're not going to prosecute you. That's that's horrible.
1: Uh, here's what it says: the article, uh, he, the sheriff, Jim Cooper, described the demands as unbelievable. He says, our deputies watched a lady on camera bring in her own shopping bags, go down the body wash aisle and grab a bunch of native body washes. Then they went to customer service and and returned them. Target chose to do nothing and simply let it happen. Yet somehow locking up deodorant and raising prices on everyday items we need to survive is their best answer. The Epoch Times reported, we don't tell big retail how to do their jobs. They shouldn't tell us how to do ours. The report said Target had not commented publicly on the sheriff's concerns. It said the sheriff's complaint about the firm's shoplifting policies comes as a number of retailers, including Target, have been locking up more items behind glass or using other means to prevent shoplifting. Over the past several years, there have been a, a rash of social media videos of large groups of people rushing into stores before taking items and renting out. And, and, and most of them are black that I've seen in the videos, by the way. Truth be told, the Times noticed Sacramento was ranked number seven. Among the top cities hit by organized shoplifting gangs in 2022, according to the National Retailers Federation, other top cities that were hit were Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Houston, Miami, Chicago, Seattle, Atlanta, and Dallas. Some chains, chains have simply closed up stores because of their unstoppable losses. Eddie, comments. Jeff, Target is not.
2: Uh, that doesn't. Ha- it's not like Target doesn't have any tools to deal with this. Target could do a lot of things. One of the things they could do is ask the police to assign somebody there at, at popular shopping times to, to discourage this from happening. They could also place notifications on the doors and the windows that any crime under $900 will not be prosecuted. However, they'll be uh, pursued civilly by the legal department of Target. I don't see them doing any of this, Just There's no motivation. Target's a woke organization. They want to let the society do what they please with their merchandise. And we, as a customers that go to Target, which we shouldn't be doing anyway, go to Target, have to make up for that, uh, you know, pay the the, the balance for that uh, uh, loss of their uh, revenue. So that, it's, all, it's all bad. There's nothing good about this at all, Jess.
1: Absolutely. Now I'll tell you what's up. Uh, I'll tell you how grievous stealing is. That God gave us 10 commandments. And there's 3 out of 10 commandments that deal with stealing. The 7th commandment, thou shalt not steal. ninth commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. So out of 10 commandments that God wrote with his finger. <coughs> which is the moral law for everybody. The entire human race. 7 of the 10 commandments have to do with stealing. This is how serious this is. And I'll tell you how, how serious stealing is. The devil actually describes himself in john chapter 10 verse 10 or or jesus describes the devil as in john 10 10 as the one who comes to steal kill and destroy so the devil is described as a stealer and i don't mean a football player either and uh you know uh, i'll tell you eddie uh, democrats are the party of stealing and i'll tell you why because when they're in power They steal from the people by raising taxes and regulating everything that moves with some type of tax. Then they also, when they're in power, they get us into endless wars that make us pay for these endless wars through our taxes. And then their constituents, BLM, Antifa, Antifa, these woke young people, steal from these department stores, which makes them increase their prices for the rest of us that don't steal. And guess what? Uh, they don't get prosecuted. You know why they don't get prosecuted? BLM Antifa, and to fund all these woke young kids because they're Democrats. They vote for the Democrat Party. That's why.
2: And just those of us who shop there that are a little more conservative in our political thoughts, we're the ones that have to pick up the, the tag for this. You know, they, they they create this tab for us. It's not like the Target loses out. The reality is they get paid, but it's
1: just the other customers that do it now. That's us. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Be back.
0: Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888
1: 526 2151. Soul Patrol, we're talking about uh, Target, other big uh, chains. These guys are getting ripped off blind by woke young people. Democrat prosecutors won't prosecute them, they can uh, steal up in, up to $900. Uh, to me, it seems, Eddie, like we've forgotten God's commandments. A lot of people, I guess, they must think that the Ten Commandments are the Ten Suggestions or the Ten Opinions. No, they're the Ten Commandments, and I'm telling you, you know, e- even people, Eddie, even bad guys that we dealt with, they understand. They don't put up with thieves. And I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, even for example, the Italian Mafia, La Cosa Nostra. If if you try to steal from the Italian Mafia. They'll murder you. You're dead. All subversive groups like the Hell's Angels, the Mongols, the Mexican Mafia, the Mexican cartels, the Crips, the Bloods. Guess what? If you're caught stealing from them, you're a dead man. If there's one thing that that these subversive evil organizations do not put up with is the a thief amongst their members who's withholding money from the organization. And said and Eddie, these are bad guys that even understand the gravity of breaking the seventh commandment. You know, uh it's uh this is uh <clears throat> the Ten Commandments were given to us by God, even before he gave it to us. It's 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 still part of the natural law that God has placed in our hearts. And so nobody can say, I didn't know stealing was wrong. No. You're without excuse because God has placed the natural raw, law in every human heart, Eddie. Yeah,
2: Jess. You know, if, if everybody's believing that homosexuality is okay, that, that that you know infidelity is fine, all these other demonic things that this society embraces, then stealing is just another one on the line. Just this, this society is degrading to a point where Jesus got to come quick, man. We're waiting for him.
1: Come, Lord Jesus, come. Yes. Uh, and Eddie, and speaking about come, Lord Jesus, come. I uh, since since everybody's talking about it, and I guess we should mention it. Uh, the, the The Vatican. Let me see. Let me read here. It says. Uh, yeah. There's a there's a lot of uh, Pope Francis, Pope Francis formally approves the blessing of sin. Uh, yeah. There's all kinds of articles that you can see that are being put out right now. So apparently, the Vatican has a, has authorized Cardinal Fernandez that in some way shape or form the dicastery of the doctrine of the faith issued a declaration that you can they can bless uh homosexual unions but it, but they're still saying but yet it's not a marriage it's not a marriage but Eddie, it's going to confuse people cuz if you get yep. two homosexuals that go to father so and so instead of oh, father we want to come in here and we got we want to get this union blessed and father says okay well but it's not it's not a marriage it's just a blessing okay now if some people go into the church just to like, go and pray, and they see a priest puts on his stole, he has his roaming collar on, and two men are there holding hands, and he sees the priest raise his right hand over them, and, and make the sign of the cross over them, and bless them with holy water, two people that are just in the church right there praying or visiting the blessed sacrament, they're going to say, I just witnessed a marriage. That priest just married two men. And so... Although the Vatican say it's not a wedding matrimony, it's just a simple blessing. The confusion it's going to breed, and not only that, let's just be honest, you can't bless mortal sin. You can't bless the, they're going to go home and sodomize these two guys. You can't bless a sodomitic union. It's just like a boyfriend and a girlfriend not living with uh, uh, with the sacrament of marriage. Say, oh Father, can can you know we're we're just living together, we're shacking up, but can you bless us? You know, raise your hands over us and bless us and bless our union. He can't. He goes, no. You guys got to make this right. Come take classes so that you guys can get married through the church. Then I'll I'll be glad to bless you every time I see you. But I can't do that right now because right now you live in uh, in, in the state of fornication, which is a mortal sin. Eddie comments?
2: Yeah, just one of the things that even the Pope said was it, it it it's trying what he's doing here, he's trying to get people to get closer to God. Uh, you know, obviously that's not going to work because, like you said, people are going to be confused by it. But he also says in hopes that God will show them his mercy. Now, the mercy is required when something wrong is happening. Something wrong that's happening is is sodomy, just that's what's going on with some of these homosexual uh well, most of the homosexual unions. So the fact that that he's doing this is going to confuse people. The 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 the, the homosexual couples are going to use this. Uh, you know, they're going to put invitations to get uh, for the blessing. They're going to make it to be what it is not, and it's not a marriage. And that's that's this is why people uh, are in schism, Jess. Well, they're, they're thinking what's happening. Um, I just it's just a terrible idea. I don't know what 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 he's living through, what he's going through, but this is a terrible idea for the church.
1: Well, Eddie goes against the, here it is, the sixth and the ninth commandment, talking about commandments. Um, the sixth and ninth commandments are very clear. Any sexual intimacy outside of the sacrament of marriage is a sin. It's called either fornication or it's called adultery or it's called orgies or it's called uh, homosexuality or it's called masturbation. Any sex, sexual intimacy outside of the sacrament of marriage is a mortal sin, period. So now uh, we have. Uh, basically there's an impulse now to, to, uh, to allow Catholics to violate the 6th and ninth commandment. Because most Catholics are going to say, no, that priest putting his hand over their heads, that's, that's a wedding ceremony. He just, he just married them. That's what they're going to think right, right away. And, uh, and I'll tell you, Eddie, this is uh, any pope or bishop or priest that defiles the grace of ordination by doing something that's contrary to the word of God uh all all I can say is you know woe to them woe to them what happened to judas will happen to every unfaithful pope bishop or priest they they uh but again we as catholics we can't live with anger in our heart we have to we we're blessed today, I'll tell you why because in the last 500 years there's dozens of catechisms we, there's no excuse for a Catholic not to know what the church teaches. All you have to do is flip to your catechism where it says homosexuality, read it 2357. You're saying Mm-mm, that doesn't conform to the doctrine of the church. And so again, as Catholics don't live with anger or hate in your heart. God sees everything and our responsibility is to trust the Lord and to be faithful to the teachings of the Catholic church. Remember St. Padre Pio says, Pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful, and God will hear your prayer. Eddie?
2: Yes, you know, one of the things that I'm thinking about here is what is a good traditional priest going to do when a homosexual couple from their parish comes and says, Father, I want you to bless our our union here or bless our uh, uh, bless our, our relationship? It's going to put a traditional priest, Jesse, you and I know many of them. Yes, Um uh, what they're going to it's going to put them because what's going to happen is these people are going to say well Father Stone so didn't approve our our blessing so I'm going to complain out to the diocese and the diocese is going to have no no problem with saying look look this is what the pope teaches so you have to do it so just you know this puts our traditional priests in a in a bind that I'm not sure they can get out of there's a
1: way to get out of You're right Eddie and you know, it reminds me that you know one of the most famous movies that was ever made by Hollywood was the Ten Commandments, by Cecil yeah. B. DeMille's. And uh, it, it'd probably be good to to play the Ten Commandments once a week on television because most Americans have forgotten, including obviously including some of our clergy, uh, even like in the Rome. Vatican. yeah, yeah. They, I mean the te- the we, we Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments. Uh, we need to request that that movie be played every single week on our television. To remind people, because it seems like if a lot of people, even our clergy, are biblically illiterate. Biblically illiterate. And Eddie, they're being deceived by the father of lies. The father of lies who calls himself the prince of the power of the air. The devil says black is white, white is black. The devil says good is evil, evil is good. The devil says right is wrong and wrong is right. The devil says that vice is virtue and virtue is vice. And guess what? Now we have clergy in our church swallowing the lie hook, line, and sinker.
2: Jess, can you imagine some of these exorcist priests that we see, the oh. good holy ones? Can you imagine the people that the, the the thing that's gonna change there is that the demons are gonna say, ha ha, yes. Well, guess what? The Pope has blessed this homosexual union. So what are you gonna do about it now, priest? I have the right to be here.
1: What <laughs> happens then? Yeah, it's oh, terrible, Jess. Oh, I'll just tell you this. Mark my words, um there's gonna be a lot less people being delivered from diabolical affliction and possession as a result of this because the demons are going to throw it right at an exorcist's face and saying you're just a two-bit country priest your bishop is down with us he works for us your pope uh he teaches our doctrine and so you're just a priest and you're trying to drive me out get away from here you pesky little fly trust me they they're, they're going to be telling priests you have no authority over us we got your bishops and we got the people in Rome." Because remember, those are the spiritual fathers of the church and they have the power to open doors and close doors. And right now, Eddie, they've opened doors to all kinds of uh, all kinds of malevolent spirits by these doctrines of demons that they're allowing uh, to, to be stamped into the Catholic faith. They're opening the door to the diabolical and who's going to be affected? Us, the children.
2: Amen. Just there's no other way out of this except prayer. All we have to we have to pray that this well, there's a lot of things to pray for, but we have to pray that this uh well, what's happening now in the church is changes with the next pontificate, next, hopefully, yeah. and they can they can do something about it. Because like I said, just this is gonna create chaos in a lot of traditional
1: places. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one good news that before we go into liberal Crystal in the next segment is that. In 2,000 years of history, most people don't realize that there have been two popes who have been corrected posthumously by th- their successors. You got uh, Pope Formosus and you got uh, uh, Pope Honor- Honorius. Uh, upon their passing away, they were, cor- they were corrected for Fraterally teaching. Corrected. Yeah, they are totally corrected by their successor. Yeah. And so it's, it's, what I'm saying is it's, it's happened in the past. So, uh, it, you know, uh, it can happen to, again. Yeah, it, could, it, it absolutely could happen again. Well, you're listening to uh, Jesus 911, two man car. Let's jump into our classroom time. Spiritual warfare classroom time. We're on page 65. Of, and we're talking about the renunciation of evil influences. We're at the bottom of page 65 where it starts at. It says, these condemnations are not limited to the Old Testament. In the New Testament, as I wrote, St. Paul condemns sorcery among a list of sins with, I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In Acts, he addresses a, a, a magician named Elimus with the following quote in, in Acts chapter uh, 13, verse 8. You, son of the devil... You enemy of all that is right, full of every de- full of, uh, of every deceit and fraud. Elsewhere in the book of Acts, when Simon... So we're talking here about uh, witchcraft. We're talking about witchcraft and the occult and the diabolical. We'll, we'll pick it up there on the next segment. Jesus 911, 2 Man Car, we'll be right back. Stick around.
0: Back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151.
1: And uh, next on the clown show Eddie, I'm just reading something here before we get back to our liberal crystal classroom training. I'm reading here, uh, Washington lawmakers want to toss people in jail for using gas-powered leaf blowers. Because they contribute uh, they contribute to climate, what is this uh something climate change climate warming yeah, so yeah, climate this is, cooling whatever whatever it is this week yeah, so can you imagine you could steal under nine hundred dollars, and that's no crime, but if you're a, a an illegal alien who's a gardener and you're using the blower. To uh, to to take care of uh, some wealthy person's house that you that you service, you could get thrown in jail. Uh, that's that's all over the news right now. Yeah, because uh, I guess these leaf blowers are contributing to something that's detrimental to the environment. All I can say is, Lord help us. Yeah. All right.
2: That's it. Just
1: <laughs> incredible. So, so Dan is talking here about um, he's talking about witches here, and he's he quoted a few Bible verses. In the Old Testament, witchcraft was a death penalty offense, and in the New Testament, it's called a mortal sin. So it's very serious. So we pick it up on page 68, Dan says, Thus, a spirit can enter a familial line through grave sin. That is, through the grave sin of one person, a demon enters both that person and through him and her into the family. There are basically... Three types of generational spirits which afflict family lines. A generational spirit can enter through grave violations of the marital act. In this sense, generational means procreational in that it centers around the abuses of the generative principle, disordered and gravely sinful Mm -hmm. sexual acts. Any deviant sexual behavior which profanes the marital act can allow a demon to be present to the act and consequently can create a vulnerability to the progeny. That's the offspring, the children. So, Eddie, that paragraph... It also tells me that our spiritual fathers, as a result of of, of uh of their sins, which are very plain and plain and open today, uh they they've basically left us vulnerable, the children, to diabolical attacks. Because they're they're the patriarchs of the church. And so their sins leave us vulnerable to the diabolical. Yeah, Jess, you know what this is
2: this is very serious because obviously we're dealing with like you said the clergy is now leaving us vulnerable they're 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 contributing to our sins and if we look at 1868 in the in the catechism we'll see that when we interact and, and participate in sin we become guilty of somebody else's sin so this can get very complicated god has the ability to straighten out and that's what's going to happen god's
1: going to have to straighten all this out yeah and and let's also be honest is that jesus says that You know, he says at the very end, few will be saved. Few, F-E-W. He doesn't say many. He says, many are called, few are chosen. Uh, Strive to enter by the narrow gate, few people find it. All I could say is all you brothers and sisters listening to this program on VMPR radio, make sure you live and die in a state of sanctifying grace and make sure you're one of the few that get to heaven. That's what it's all about. Make sure you're one of the few. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Den writes the zeitgeist or spirit of this age is also a gener is a, is also a generational spirit in that it can affect worldwide. For example, the hippie generation, etc. Nations, countries, for example, Nazi Germany, races such as those passed on via pre-Christian spirituality, if kept alive in the family, regions, corporations, dioceses, and religious orders, seen in certain dysfunction. Well, we're made in the image and likeness of God, Genesis one twenty six. The, de- the demonic seeks the inverse, that is to make us, whether family, nation, generation, etc., into their image, taking on a mindset of an area. Yeah, so I've heard Father Ripperger lecture on this. Although we're made in the image and likeness of God, the demons are always trying to, through temptation, they're always trying to get us to remake us into their image and likeness, which is evil and malevolent and sinful.
2: Yes, and there's a particular part of the movie, Nefarious, that, that the demon states exactly that. God made you in his image, but we've changed you. We've, we've uh, you know, inverted what God wanted. That's part of Nefarious, so it's a very uh, accurate movie. I, that's why I love it.
1: Yeah, oh, by the way, the, the, uh, I met the actors uh, in, over in Austin, Texas. I spoke at a conference with them, so they were there at the conference. Father Ripperger was there as well. And when they got there, the actors, uh, and uh, the actor and... And the, the the screenwriters, Chuck and Carrie Solomon, they go, Jess, Jess, they go, w- you know, we, where's Father Ripperger? We want to meet him. We've been wanting to meet him for years. I said, okay. Let, let. So I called up Father Ripperger. I said, hey, Chuck and Carrie Solomon are here. They want to meet you. He goes, yeah, bring them to my room. I'd like to meet them too. So I walked them over to where Father Ripperger was at. And uh, I mean, they, they those three just, they were so happy to meet each other and hit it off. And then... Chuck and Carrie told Father, they said, they said, Oh, by the way, we watched about a hundred hours of your videos to come up with this movie, to come up with the precise Catholic theology. And then Father said, he goes, Yeah, I recognized some language that was lifted right from my lectures. And he chuckled, he laughed, he laughed about it. He goes, Great movie. He told him best. Best movie on exorcism that's ever been produced. Father, I, I, I heard Father Riberger say that to Chuck and Carrie. I was there. And, uh, and then uh, it was beautiful because they're going to go up and give a lecture. Chuck and Carrie says, Father, can you give us a blessing? They both got on their knees and Father prayed over them before they went to give their talk. It was a beautiful thing to see.
2: Yeah, yeah, just that's awesome. You're, you're privy to some of these things that none of us uh, none of us see. So you know what? God bless you for that. That's that's awesome that you mentioned that on on, on the air. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. All right, Eddie, pick it up. Pick it up. Well,
2: the the third type of generational spirit which can enter a family line is done through blood a blood curse. Blood curses fall into two categories. Rasa crucianism is that how you say it, just Rasa Yep is a type of witchcraft which claims to possess secret knowledge, ancient mysticism, and brotherhood, so-called. These include Freemasonry and other secret societies, some New Age methodologies, Gnosticism, and other uh, esoteric sects and practices such as alchemy, occult healing, and various para-liturgical rituals which seek to attain occult knowledge. A second type of blood curse is found in Pelican witchcraft in antiquity the pelican was thought to pull the flesh and blood from her own breast in order to feed her young thus this became an ancient symbol of Christ the great pelican who offered his body and blood both to save us and to feed us in the holy Eucharist the occult mocks and inverse this primitive Christian symbol of course it does in this type of witchcraft the practitioner a witch, santero, etc., uses a part of his own flesh or blood in the ritual. He may also use part of the body of the the petitioner in the curse uh, or that of animals. Thus, these types of practices are also called ex-carni curses. That's ex-carni curses. Through the shedding of blood and using certain incantations and rituals, uh, a diabolic entity is invoked and conscripted. That's an amazing kind of curse, Jess. I've never dealt with an ex carney curse, but I imagine it would be more powerful because it's done by a long-practicing witch or santero that that understands what they're doing, and they've been indoctrinated into the into the occult, Jess.
1: Yeah. These third types of generational curses are referred to as blood curses also because they lay claim to the bloodline of the one who commits the grave guy violation against the first commandment. If the descendants affirm the sin through their own sinful behavior, the effects of the curse continue along. If not, then the curse passes away. Often a curse of this type will be latent in a family only to become active where there may be a, a vocation of the priesthood or religious life or where there is deep conversion. So why does God allow generational spirits? St. Alphonsus says that God allows such suffering to chastise someone for the evil he is doing. That is, if the person does not expiate sins voluntarily, God will allow for his purification. Through struggle, a person grows in virtue against a curse and conquers a demon. In addition, the struggle helps sanctify the whole family as God desires certain perfections to be manifest in the family itself, which the battle perfects. As God allows them to struggle, they gain virtue and in the process, humiliate and crush the demon. Pick it up, Eddie. Notably, in the story of the boy possessed
2: by a demon in Mark chapter 9, 24-29, the father intercedes for his son to Jesus through the disciples. That's in Mark 9. Jesus gives us clues as to how to drive this demon out of the family line. This kind can only come out through prayer and through fasting. That the father approached Jesus suggests that the first step in ridding the family of the effects of such curses is best done by the head of the household. Spiritual warfare uh, is like trench warfare. This means that you should get the demon out of your life first before cleaning the bloodline. That is, once you expel the demon, you have a certain power over him and can then help other family members. Begin with the principle that you cannot heal the family tree but you can heal family members. Demons perpetuate by uh, by uh, wounding within the family. So work on yourself first to develop the virtues to counteract it, then your children. Thus, Jesse, you want to take it from there? I'm not sure how we... Uh,
1: yeah, you have... Uh, here's the opposite. Here. There's there's, there's uh, the virtue and then there's vice or, or or vice and virtue. You got fear is overcome by hope and confidence. Depression is overcome by joy via charity telling god that you love him despair is overcome by hope and the fear of suffering is overcome by fasting penances and voluntary suffering a priest should always say prayers to break generational spirits over you and your children because the institutional nature of the sin is greatly combated by an institutional response of the church and other tactics include that we should be employing our fasting and prayer binding prayers to bind the demons activity Mass for reparation of the sins of your family and souls in purgatory. Pray a daily rosary. General prayers asking Christ with the deprecatory prayers to drive it out of our family and generational line. Offering your holy communion for this intention. Asking our lady and our guardian angels for protection and to block them. Fostering devotion to the nemesis saint for the demon. God always sends help from the mystical body with a saint whose charism perfectly counters the nature of the afflicting demon and the use of sacramentals in the home and confessing the sin associated with it to break it we'll be right back Jesus 911 we're talking about renunciation of evil influences
0: now back to jesus 911 if this call is not an emergency dial 888-526-2151
1: liber crystal method classroom time jess romero eddie chavez if you don't have the book uh, you need to get this book for christmas it's called here it is the liber crystal method a field manual for spiritual combat. It's basically, so let me, let me explain it to you. Father Chad Ripperger has a medical model of how to drive demons out. It's called a four-phase protocol. Phase one is in page 309 to 314 of the book. It's 30 days of hardcore prayer. Hardcore prayer, media fast. Then, this is, then phase two is this. We're going through phase two. It's all these renunciations. Breaking soul ties doing prayers uh, to break generational spirits, so phase two is a is not only the thirty day prayer protocol continued but also catechesis on the interior life so this this book is the catechesis on the interior life portion by you know breaking soul ties prayers breaking generational spirits prayers, you know all the different prayers that 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 Dan has here. These are meant to be done on phase two. The person has to start doing these prayers, and the team members could be there present with the person as they're as they're, as they're doing them. Then phase three, you go to your parish priest because your parish priest is like your, he's like the general practitioner. You start going to confession with him every week. You, he starts doing blessings and and minor deliverance prayers over you. And then if the person's still afflicted, then you go on to phase phase four which is the solemn rite of exorcism. So um, Father Ripperger has been an exorcist for 17 years. He doesn't have any, uh, uh, Eddie and me, when we were cops, we used to have what's called returnees, people that would always commit the same crimes again and again after you put them in jail. You say, hey, didn't I put you in jail six months ago? Hey, didn't I put you in jail a year ago? They were returnees of the criminal justice system. Father Ripperger Ever since he started the four-faced prayer protocol, he hasn't had a returning possessed person back to see him again. They're fully liberated. Because what he does, he takes them through 120 days of hardcore, uh, it's like pulling weeds in your backyard. He calls that spade work. You you really get into the soul and you start pulling out all those weeds, all those imperfections, all those defects, uh, all those... Uh, you know, disordered uh, appetites that we have. And so, uh, again, this works a lot better. I'll, I'll tell you, Eddie, for example, I'm going to out somebody right now. Over in East Los Angeles, years ago, they've had it for years. I don't know if they still have it because I haven't, been, I haven't lived, lived in L.A. County in nine years. But in East Los Angeles, at 900 South Gage, every Wednesday, they take people that are possessed, to a big auditorium and it's run by Catholic it's called the Catholic Evangelization Center in Spanish. And you could walk there any Wednesday Eddie and you'll see about 50 to 100 people that are possessed from all over L.A. County. They bring them there and you have lay people just praying over them, raising their hands over them, sprinkling holy water over them. When you walk in there, it looks like a it looks like a it looks like a haunted house because yes. you got you got like yeah, listen. Like you got like people walking around like hundred people, like zombies. You know, their eyes rolled back. Some of them are on all fours, barking, howling. Some of them, their eyes are pitch black. Some of them are just stiff in a catatonic position. There's all, and then you have hundreds of people praying over them, singing songs in Spanish, raising their hands on them over there, which you are not supposed to do. And I'm telling you, Eddie, um, it, it's. People come out of there worse than they went in because you walk into that hall and it's a hornet's nest of demons that, that they've basically, they've kicked the hornet's nest and they're all over. The, you could just see it when you walk in there, stay by the door. You can just see the chaos, the spiritual chaos. And again, that's typically what, especially Hispanics, they'll, they'll say, oh, my brother-in-law, you know, he's possessed or he's diabolically afflicted at some level. Somebody will say, I know so and so who has the gift of healing and driving out demons. Why don't you bring in so and so? Gener- and, ge- Eddie, generally, the person that they mention is usually a female. Yeah. Yeah. You Usually, if.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yep. I'm just saying, just, you know, and uh, it gets women are, from there. Are, are into this. Yeah. Women are into this uh, a lot more than men. And, just, you know, it's funny because. In East LA, uh, it's funny. I never heard of that. of, of uh, It was the 900 South Gates. I never heard of that until after I had left there, and uh, I never, I never have been there myself. But people have described described it to me like, like, like you said, a haunted house. You got demons walking around, people pretending they're demons or knowing they're demons. This is um, this is not the place to go if you want serious healing, Jess. You're gonna have a lot of returned people over there. That's why there's so many, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're they're always going back every month for quote unquote healing, because nobody gets healed from that place. Uh, again, okay, so let's move on here. Um, uh, since these spirits can be stubborn and difficult to drive out, one must chisel away at them. See that I like that word, chisel away at mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Prayers of reparation should be prayed for three things. Number one, for the sin that introduced the demon into the generational line, as this loosens his ability to affect fam- the family. Number two, for the sins of others in the family line and the effects of the collateral damage in the family. And number three, for your own sins. Eddie, you want to pick it up from there? Divide and conquer?
2: Yeah, divide and conquer. This begs the question, what makes one open to a curse? The most common vulnerability to a curse is not being in a state of grace. Mortal sin leaves you without a shield on the battlefield. A malefice is a diabolic inversion of a blessing. So it's the opposite of a blessing. Being in a state of grace opens you to the goodness contained in a blessing, while being in mortal sin makes you vulnerable to the curse itself. As Clement says, a curse can be seen as a gift inasmuch as God is allowing it to show us vulnerabilities that arise from defects in virtue. When in this situation you look first to to remedy the effects excuse me, the defects in virtue that makes you susceptible to an attack. A state of grace and holiness, particularly when combined with formal prayers of a priest, work well together to break curses. The military strategy of to divide and conquer has been applied by generals ranging from uh, Sun Tzu, Philip II of Macedonia, Julius Caesar, to Napoleon. Also called divide and rule, this strategy entails the breaking up of existing large power structures into smaller pieces to cause rivalries and factions and any sort of discord. By encouraging division and fostering distrust among various factions, a clever general can more easily defeat his enemy by preventing any alliances that could challenge his sovereignty. In doing so, he can easily subjugate the people and expand his
1: territory. The demon uses his strategy quite effectively. The very name devil comes from the Greek word diablo, meaning to divide, to make a quarrel between, slander, calumniate, be filled with suspicion, to misrepresent, to deceive by false accounts. Thus, Jesus calls the devil a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks in character because he's a liar and the father of lies. As applied to spiritual combat, often the devil's primary target is to divide the married couple. Forgiving one another for past sins and praying together are essential for maintaining marital unity. Let me repeat that again, because this is gold right here. Forgiving one another for past sins and praying together are essential to maintaining marital unity. That, that, that line right there said everything. That unity assists the flow of sacramental grace into the familial construct and counteracts the effects of familial curses. Eddie pick it up.
2: I'll continue. Justice says many people come to the church for help thinking that they are under attack. What is often under siege is the marriage itself, and the principal object of the enemy is not merely to uh, not merely the individual but the entire family, especially the children. Thus, to divide the husband and wife means the children are under their authority have no protection so the demon can rule the children while they are vulnerable as with as will be seen in a later chapter god has established the authority structure to provide and to protect the power of authority below those under authority when the demon fractures a marriage through his uh, subterfuge and lies the provision and protection are diminished and like an earthly general, he can more easily subjugate the whole family and expand his territory. Just That's what we see now with, with a lot of uh, marriages that are, uh, I- I- you know, in the dumps. They, they, there's parents that have been deceived by the devil. Now they've separated or they've divorced or maybe they were never married in the first place. And now the kids are under attack. And that's, how the, uh, that's what the demon intends to do, to attack the family, not merely the, the husband and the wife.
1: Yep, and he he attacks it by once once that vulnerability presents itself, mom and dad, there's discord in the in the marriage, and uh, and and the demon can get them to separate or even divorce or to live in constant uh, tension with each other. Now the kill, the children are left vulnerable because mom and dad they're not praying anymore. Mom and dad they're not blessing their kids. Mom and dad they're not going to mass together with the kids. They're not doing family prayers together. They're not doing evening prayers. They're not paying grace before meals. Once the demon can get the parents to stop praying in the house, and especially praying for the family, uh, he's got them. He absolutely has them. And, 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 And right now, in a sense, Eddie, we're under the same kind of umbrella, is right now the patriarchs of the church are so diabolically disoriented, many of them, that it's leaving us vulnerable, us lay people, that's why we have to, right now we're basically, it's, I tell people, this is hand-to-hand combat. Every, it's every family for themselves. Every father is engaging in hand-to-hand combat for the, for the soul of their family. Because we're pretty much unprotected right now from the spiritual patriarchs. So every man must be the St. Joseph of his house. Be a sacramental and a prayer warrior. Live a clean life so that the grace of God flows into your family through a holy St. Joseph.
2: Jess, you know, a lot of people are not aware of what you just described. So a lot of people, what, what do they think? That, that that the evil one has changed his, his, his approach to the family? No, no. You would never let somebody rob your children from right in front of you. And just that's exactly what's happening because – When the parents separate, when there's no unity of the mother and the father, then the family is going to disintegrate. And just that's something that can, it's a sacrifice to pray together. It's a sacrifice to find the time with all the, you know, with two parents working and et cetera, et cetera. To find the time to pray together is difficult so it's a sacrifice so that's also something you can offer up but this is what's going on today in, this, in today's society and i think that uh, unless we turn it around quickly just unless there's some motivation to do that we're gonna, we're in
1: trouble we're in big trouble jesus <laughs> well, come they, quick hey come lord jesus come psalm 69 right. verse 2 god come to my assistance lord make haste to help me Hey, remember the words of St. Father to Pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful, and God will hear your prayer. Up next, Gary Machuda, Hands-On Apologetics, coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for us, wake up, America. Don't hit the snooze button. Jesus is coming back one day. Are you ready? See you next time.